Three and to the four. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the door. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Cause you know we're about to rip this. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Lone Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Ain't Welcome to episode 70 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. As always, I'm joined by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This segment of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about drop-in skills in individual and small group sessions. We want to start by welcoming another live audience tonight. Uh, yes, we're live. Do it live. If you have joined us live via Zoom, please sit tight and enjoy the show. If you have any questions or comments, just type those in the chat, and our producer, Dan Humphrey, uh, will put you in. Last week, boys, uh, you know, we had the opportunity to sit down with John Doerr of the Hobie Baker uh, Committee and uh, Brendan Furry from Minnesota Mankato. So uh, let's talk first about John Doerr and the wonderful things he's doing, not only at the college level, but also at the high school level. Yeah, it was fun uh, just talking a little college hockey in general, but obviously uh, everybody's familiar with the Hobie Baker Award, um, the Heisman, the Hockey Heisman, whatever you want to call it. Um, and great opportunity for high school coaches out there to um, get involved and get their players submitted for the Hobie Baker Character Award. Um, and you can have one player from each team, each uh, OHSAA team um and there's information more information on the in the news uh segment of the ohio hockey digest where you can find the links to uh go ahead and get your players submitted but um yeah i thought that was a, a fun conversation and uh hopefully uh we'll see some ohio players submitted for that i thought it was uh, actually the coolest thing that that i took from the whole conversation was that there were uh people that were up for the hobie baker award in ncaa that did not win based off of character. And I think as we spoke uh, after that episode or after uh, that interview that, you know, there are a bunch of donkeys in this world and it's good for the people that are, are doing things the right way to, uh, to be rewarded for that. So I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to, to show at the high school level. And uh, obviously the Hobie Baker committee, what they do in the NCAA is speaks for itself. Then we had the opportunity to speak with uh, Brennan Furry uh, from Minnesota State. And Jay, before we got on air, you mentioned that he what? He's uh, according to USCHO.com, he's currently number 11 in the country in points. Uh, Mankato just went to number one in the uh, USCHO, I believe. Is that correct, Scott? Yeah, sounds right. Think how many points he could have put up on the club team at Bowling Green. Well, that, what, a, what a story. What a story. He was just going to go to BG play club hockey, get a degree, move on in his life. Fast forward three years. He's now in the top 15 in scoring on a number one team in the nation. Yeah, man, that was, that was a great story. Uh, remember size large, anything Mankato hockey uh, team issue too. Not, not, I don't, don't take me to the bookstore. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, it was a great, great conversation with him. I really enjoyed his story. Um, 
he did. He was kind of digging out St. Ed's a little bit when he said, you know, well, that's, that's, you know, that's all good fun. But I mean, it, you look at the demeanor he has for like, it, he was just having fun, laid back, talking hockey, talking about his path, yeah. telling funny stories about it. The, the kids had to pull his bootstraps up and just absolutely work his butt off to get to where he's at. And, and he's seeing the fruits of his labor, which is awesome. Yeah. That's, and that's what he did. I mean, decided to go play. I mean, not get talked into a year of 18s, but nah, I'm just going to go to uh, the Badlands of BG. Uh, Badlands. And then he gets uh, kind of talked into going to the 18s. And from there, it just kind of spiraled from and there. Almost didn't go to the tryout for the USHL, right. which was another example of getting in. You know, he said, well, I made the 30 man to start the season. You know, he might have been 29th to 30th on that list. Sure. Makes the team. And then he's the captain the next year. Right. So it's just one. And, you know, early commit to Niagara ended up getting offers to, from Michigan and obviously Mankato. And uh, just an example of uh, once he said he started putting the work in and hitting the weight room and, and taking it more serious. Yeah. Things started happening for him. He moved steep curve, steep development. curve, Very steep. Yeah. Well, this week is going to be a good show. Uh, we're going to welcome back a, a front of the show. Uh, Bowling Green Bobcats head coach Connor Rogowski is going to join us. Uh, we've talked to Connor before um, and what an unbelievable job he has done. And, and, you know, you want to talk about a group of guys, players, families, coaches that had to overcome, um, you know, a tragic loss in their program and then to continue that great culture and that great uh, team and, and building. Uh, Connor's done an unbelievable job with the Bobcats and we look forward to talking to him today. But before we do that, let's uh, talk. What's up with the boys, Danny, how you been? You're not joining us live here today. You're at home. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's easier to do the show at home now since we're going live, mixing in the music and all that stuff, but things have been good around here. Um, Got to give a shout out to uh, our boy Shramco there uh on the bus up to notre dame he asked me if i got my snowblower fixed so we at least we know one of our players listens to the podcast oh there you go <laughs> we have one listener <laughs> what's going on with you guys well danny i i just want to uh i read something uh or actually it was read to me online uh that you uh you guys are gonna be making a trip somewhere yeah so we uh are have officially decided to take our family vacation talents to uh, Walt Disney world on the spring break time here. Yikes. Oh man. <laughs> oh buddy. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. We can't wait to hear I, those I, stories. I thought it was better to be at home for these recordings. Cause you moved out. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was actually concerned when you said that. You want me <laughs> to get out from behind this mic so you can actually see me? No, no, I see. I see you. You look good on camera. Thanks, buddy. Scott, Scott's got the angles working well, so it yeah, thins all you guys out a little bit. That's nice. Thins us out? Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. <laughs> Appreciate it. Scotty, what's up with you, bud? Uh, just two quick thoughts. One, the NFL playoffs have been great, but is there a worse way to decide a game than the way the NFL does overtime? It's it's not it's good. Now, do you think they change it after this year? They should. I mean, it's, I've got all kinds of issues with the NFL with instant replay they ruin it they just ruin it and the overtime rule is just so stupid doesn't make it it's like saying we're going to play basketball uh we're going to do a five minute overtime but if your first shot's a three-pointer and you make it then the game's over right it doesn't make any sense but i also had as i was coming up here i stopped at my uh my favorite lakewood coffee shop no free ads uh to get my get my soy latte and as i'm waiting for it (laughs) 
so as I'm waiting for it, no my phone hands. tells me, hey, it's only four minutes. That bar you go to on Mondays is only four minutes away. Oh, yeah. Someone's listening. So whoa, whoa, whoa. First of all, I know where it is. Yeah. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but who else knows that I'm going there every Monday? You know? Right. Right. That's kind of it's kind of creepy. It is creepy, man. It is. What does it say? You're, how far are you away from me right now? Yeah. I don't know. But they're just all collecting all kinds of information on us and selling it. It's a nine iron from here. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. you, it's a 60 degree. Yeah. Right. Right. We love. About a four iron. Love. How's it going? Uh, are we uh, skating with the, with the little ones or what? Yeah. We, we're, uh, we're back at it. No. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, learn to hockey is continually going. And I think they're doing a wonderful job at, at the organization we go to. No free ads. Um, they just have the kids, you know, working and skating and and they're having fun doing it so they don't even realize that they're actually learning anything which is nice at which sometimes in school they would do they would have done that and maybe i wouldn't have taken six years i had a bunch of fun i just didn't get out of school for you know inside of the four-year window that i right. was offered um now recently we just uh switched carriers on the cell phone and uh there are two phone numbers that are unable to call me right now and depending on the day of the week and the time of the day that's okay uh, mom and dad aren't able to get a hold of me. It says my phone is unavailable. So did, did you put, did you purposely put that in there when you, uh, change carriers? Well, that's, I know that's what my, my dad said that to me today when he called where I'm able to receive their text messages. And that is actually worse because, you know, sometimes they have sloppy fingers and, and I just get letters and numbers and I'm not really sure if those are words, but anyways, uh, other than that, man, I, I got nothing. The days are rolling by. They're wonderful days. Um, I see Danny, finger in the air well i was gonna try to jump in there because i got a great story about your father from over the weekend love over this weekend yeah so when you guys were at was it like the story where he he said i was the older one yeah oh okay sorry sorry i don't know if you heard this one yet so home game friday night in between periods i go over i'm talking to to mr lev and to tommy and I, Mr. Love's telling me a story about, you know, when they went to Indiana and he's like, you know, you know, Jason, the, the older one, Jason, the older one. And I'm like, what do you mean the older one? Like, how are there more loves that we don't know about that are out there? Dan, Danny, I will tell you this on Saturday when I saw him, I brought that story up to him and I said, what, what are you doing, man? What's going on here? And he's like, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, I understand you were telling a story and he referred to me as Jason, the older one. He's like, well, well, I, I did. I go, Danny played for us. Danny's known me almost as long as you have. I mean, what are we talking about here? Anyways, yeah, that that typical, typical stuff. That, good stuff. That is, that's funny. That's but, but your dad did warn us that the ice box up in uh, South Bend was cold, and boy, was, was it? it was it cold Saturday morning or Sunday morning? Oh. Well, when you're in the Compton Family Values Ice Arena, or what do they call it, the Compton Family Center at Notre Dame, South Bend that's a beautiful facility. Then you swing on down through the, uh, the old steel mills and the old, the old mills and you run into the ice box. It's a different atmosphere. Oh yeah. It looked, it looked fun. I was watching it on uh, the live barn. It looked, looked, looked fun. Yeah. In the Compton arena. Yeah. Some, some people had more fun than others. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you know, I saw that too, but anyhow, um, well, it's good to be back with everybody. It's going to be a great show. Um, let's see what's in the news of the Ohio hockey digest. A top NHL prospect is honing his skills right here in Ohio. Youngstown Phantom forward Adam Adam Ingram 
was ranked 14th on the NHL Central Scouting Bureau's list of North American forwards in their mid-term rankings for the 2022 NHL draft. Ingram has scored 16 goals and 22 assists for 38 points in 29 games this season. His first season in the USHL. He is also the USHL scoring leader among rookies by 10 points over his nearest competitor. He is committed to St. Cloud State University beginning next season, but will likely hear his name called early in the NHL draft this summer. Former Olmstead Falls High School and University of Akron sniper Dominic Conti was traded from the Lake Erie Bighorns to the Columbus Mavericks. Conti, playing in his second season in the USPHL, put up 29 points in 30 games for the Bighorns prior to the trade. Also with the Mavericks, goaltender Alex Toth has committed to play his college hockey for Zach Nowak at Kent State University. Toth, who played his high school hockey for the Menor Cardinals, has played in eight USPHL games this season, posting a 5-2-1 record with a 2.58 goals against average. The University of Michigan is investigating its top-ranked hockey program. According to College Hockey News, the allegations include head coach Mel Pearson instructing players to lie on COVID tracing forms during last year's NCAA tournament, Pearson and director of hockey operations Rick Bancroft discriminating against female staffers and creating a toxic work environment for female support staff, and Pearson retaliating against a student athlete for raising concerns about the hockey team's culture. So this is the Ohio Hockey Digest uh, podcast, so we don't really need to talk about Michigan stuff, but uh, one of our upcoming guests does actually play there. Uh, Dylan Duke from Strongsville is going to join us at some point, and we won't bring this up when he comes on, but uh, very interesting thing, I, especially the uh, asking players to lie on the COVID trace, tracing forms. They actually did get removed from the NCAA tournament last year. They didn't, before it started, they didn't get to play. Well, they got removed because of COVID, right? Yeah. Okay. So but apparently he was trying to get, get around that. Yeah. And that's some serious stuff, um, which is a shame. I mean, it, it's, listen, and I know, I, I know it's, it's spirit of competition and you get caught up in some things, but you know, not 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 because it's Michigan or a big program like that, but at at what point do you do you not put the do you not harm the program to try to to try to succeed? Right, you will succeed if you create a better culture within an organization. If your culture is good, and if this guy is doing this, I don't know if this is true or not. Right. But if the, if this guy is really doing this, that's not a good culture. And even if they hadn't got caught, the the players know you're how you're running the right. show there. And right. at least one of them brought it up the ladder, right. you know, so right. anyway, well, yeah, that'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and I, I hope that it's not, you know, as it appears as we're reading, yeah. uh, but it's we'll alleged. See. Yep. And then one more thing, this isn't really a news item, but I don't know if you guys saw the uh, video clip of Elena Jim Petro, uh, the goal she scored for, for Gilmore in that tournament a couple of weeks ago. I didn't see it. It's on, I'll show it before you really, um, but just a crazy insane. She brings the puck all the way from the corner up to the blue line, pivots on the blue line with a defenseman on her hip, barely keeps it in. And then I think it was a power play. There's three more players on the other team and she goes through them like cone, you know, slaloms through the, the other three guys or girls and puts it under the bar to win it. It would turn to win the tournament in overtime. It was, it was really something. Wow. You, you said you have that up on, on the website. Yep, it's on the front page of uh, Ohio hockey. I just, Oh, I look forward to uh, seeing that. 
Well, one of the iconic hockey programs in the state of Ohio, the Bowling Green Bobcats, have seen their share of challenges over the last few years. The man currently in charge of guiding the program back to where it belongs in the high school hockey scene in Ohio is 25-year-old Connor Rogowski. Rogowski was a four-year letterman with the Bobcats and recently graduated from Bowling Green State University with a degree in business communications and entrepreneurship. He's in his full, first full season as head coach for the Bobcats after taking over for late Jimmy Ruffner in December of 2020. Please welcome on air head coach of the Bowling Green Bobcats, Connor Rogowski. Welcome, Connor. Connor, you're muted. Okay, looks like we're unmuted now. Is that working? Yeah, there you go, Much man. Better. Nice to see you, buddy. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing, man? Doing, doing well, doing well. Thanks for taking the time tonight to uh, talk to us. Um, you're a product of the hockey community in Bowling Green, playing up through the youth ranks and with the high school team and now coming back to coach. Talk about what the hockey culture is like from top to bottom in Northwest Ohio, but specifically in Bowling Green. Yeah, I mean, so as you guys you guys know, you know, Northwest Ohio high school hockey in general is, is really big and it's really, it's really, it's been really good over the last, you know, I mean, 30 years, we've had a lot of really solid teams. And even looking back at that this year, um, you look at our league in, in Northwest Ohio and it's, it's extremely um, high talented and really good hockey teams. Um, but looking at the Bowling Green, the culture in the hockey and Bowling Green in general, um, from, from a team in a community that has a college team, you would think that maybe some of, you know, the, the direction will be pointed more towards them. But I think that we have such a great balance with support with the Falcons and then with support with Bowling Green High School uh, and the Bobcats that it's been extremely um, great. You know, we look at our history um, throughout the years and the community has been extremely involved in everything that we've done um, we, from the six state championships all the way up through, you know, through the 80s and 90s until now. And, and, and people really haven't let off. And, and I know that speaking from from talking to people and when we went through a little hiatus for that one year, um, there was a lot of really upset people around this community and they wanted hockey to be back here. And, and since we've been back, they've shown absolutely nothing but support and, and trying to get us back to, you know, where we used to be. Well, you touched on the, the six day titles in, in 1980, 84, 91, 1997, 98, 99. BG played in the state uh, title game eight times in nine years from 91 to 99, won three titles in a row from 97 to 99. I mean, the, the history speaks for itself, obviously. How did the program get from those heights to going a year without a varsity, without varsity hockey in 2018, 2019? You know, I, I think what a lot plays into it is. You know, you look around 80s, 90s, um, early 2000s, even, you know, you had places around us like Anthony Wayne and Perrysburg that didn't have um, necessarily great teams around that time. They were in the in the lower division. Um, they moved to the white division. And, you know, as you know, Bowling Green Youth Hockey houses a lot of Anthony Wayne and a lot of Perrysburg um, players and, and develops them all the way up through. And, and back and back and then they they were coming to Bowling Green, um, open and rolling, transferring, coming here. And we were getting all those players. And I think that we just hit a point where um, it was one of those years where numbers weren't exactly where we were. They we wanted them to be um, to field a full varsity team. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that plays into it. Um, a lot of reasons as to, you know, maybe why that happened for a year. But I think that it, 
it drew enough attention and, and drew enough positive, um, you know, aspects from the community and from people around here that it wasn't going to continue that way. And we were going to have a team right back and, and we weren't going to continue down that road. So, you know, it comes back to the community, to the hockey community around here. So out of, out of, you know, there, there are other programs in the state that have gone away and some have returned and some have not. And, and for the listeners out there, maybe there's some, uh, uh, current, former, however you want to look at it, coaches and athletic directors. What did, what did you guys learn in that year hiatus that I don't want to use the word made you come back stronger or helped you come back stronger, but what were some of the lessons learned in that brief, you know, that one year hiatus? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the most important thing is, is that Bowling Green needs a high school hockey team, um, you know, first and foremost. And it just, it brought a lot of, a lot of bad tastes in our mouth around here. A lot of negativity to the fact that one of the, you know, the most uh, history, history programs in the state of Ohio wasn't going to have a team. Um, and I think that the support in the people just around here is what, is what caused it to come back so quickly and so fast because it just, it, it, it simply wasn't, wasn't acceptable. Um, and it's as simple as that. The people, the community, um, everybody from the past players, they just weren't going to have it. And they weren't going to allow Bowling Green to not have a high school hockey team. And a lot of that is out of your control. As you said, it's just one of those, it was almost a, I don't want to use the word, well, I will use it. It was almost a perfect storm that the, I lack of better terminology, the, the, the birth year of the players that were going to come into high school, just they, they weren't available. How, I mean, I, I know this is probably a oh, impossible question for you to answer. However, is there a way to avoid that ever happening again? And, and I'm talking statewide, not yeah. just with you guys up there. And, you know, I, I think of Bowling Green, it's a little bit different than, you know, a lot of places in the state of Ohio, because we do have that youth feeder system right in our back door. They practice the same rank as us. And I think at least from my standpoint, what, what I need to do as a coach um, of the high school program is I need to make sure that I'm involved in every aspect of youth hockey, building those players up so that they want to be a Bobcat. They want to play for Bowling Green and they don't want to go somewhere else when they get up to that Bantam point where, you know, they're, they're trying to make that decision of, do I want to play another year at Bantam? Do I want to go to St. John, St. Francis? Do I want to transfer out? We need to do what we can do to make them stay here and want to stay here. And I think that's really been a big part in what we're trying to build here. And what I'm trying to build is how do we make kids want to be here, want to be a Bobcat and want to stay? And it starts from the youth program all the way up. And, and that's what we're really hammering um, is just getting those kids to be excited about being a Bobcat. Nice. And what, if you could tell us, uh, looking back, uh, you played four years. So what are some of your best memories from your playing career at BG? Yeah, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to, to play all four years for Bowling Green. Um, great coaches. Um, and, and surrounded by a great team. We had 10 seniors um, that year and we had a lot of really fun times. You know, I, I look back and I, and still at my high school hockey four years, it, it was the greatest four years of my life. And I think that it's because of the culture and the atmosphere that was brought to me by playing Bobcat hockey. And I think that's what makes it resonate so much with me now is that that's what I want to give back to them. I'm not the person I am today without Bobcat hockey. Um, and, and so that's what we're trying to get back. You know, I, we, we, we didn't, you know, reach the expectations that we necessarily set out for ourselves when I was in high school. Um, we, we won some tournaments. We did really well, but at the end of the day, we didn't reach that, that goal that we wanted to get to. Um, so I still think, you know, that's something as well that I want to give to these kids. Um, something that I didn't necessarily get, I want to give to them. And, you know, 
high school hockey in general is extremely, it's an extremely giving thing, I think. Um, and, and to get the opportunity to play that and to get the opportunity, especially at Bowling Green, um, you know, I couldn't have asked for a better experience playing high school hockey in a better four years. Well, kind of, we're going to, we're going to take a quick break here uh, and then we'll come back to you, uh, spend a little bit more time with you. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight, API's easy-to-use, affordable technology designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use the API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool in a view demo video. Welcome back. Just want to remind our uh, live audience, if you have any questions, please uh, go to the comments and uh, producer Dan Humphrey will uh, get those over to us and we can talk to Connor about some of your thoughts. Um, Connor, we're back here from break. Thanks again for joining us. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I just want to say real quick that, you know, what you guys are doing here for, for Ohio hockey and Ohio high school hockey in general is, is absolutely amazing. And it's great that you're giving people, you know, the, the, the space and the opportunity to, uh, you know, to really come live and broadcast, you know, their programs and everything on this. So it, it's a really great thing. Well, we, we decided to do it when we were locked in our house during COVID and we we're going to go crazy. <laughs> so, you know, we said to Scott, Hey, Scott, you have this platform. Uh, we're going to poach off of you right now. <laughs> and and we do pay our guests very well. And, and just check the mailbox. It's on. It's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. that'll, that'll come from Scott. That'll come from the boss. <laughs> uh, so Connor, uh, Jamie Ruffner was the man entrusted with getting the Bowling Green program back on its feet coming out of that hiatus you mentioned. And he asked you to be one of his assistant coaches. Uh, then in December of 2020, Jamie was diagnosed with colon cancer. You were a 24-year-old college student, and you were chosen to step in. Um, you must have felt a tremendous sense of responsibility, not only to the program, but to continue the work that uh, Jamie had begun rebuilding it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, when, when Jamie came in and became a head coach, um, and he asked me to be one of his assistants, you know, I can tell you it was one of the more uh, proud days that I've had um, in my young life so far, but we sat down and, and we wanted to build something back here and, and we wanted to build it back to where it was and even better. Um, and we always had a plan, you know, that we were going to do this together. But the great thing about Jamie is that it wasn't he was the head coach. We were assistant coaches. That is never how it was. It was that we were the coaches, period. You know, so when when everything started to happen um, with him, you know, I it was never a sense that I was just thrown into the fire or, you know, didn't, you know, any of that stuff because because I was doing it all with him the entire time. Um, 
And so that was one thing that I learned from him that I, you know, appreciate extremely that he was able to give that to me. So, you know, a situation like that did happen is I was ready and, you know, looking at it, you know, from, from coming in, being 24 years old, you know, taking over a program, being a head coach, um, it was a little, you know, nerve wracking, but, but also extremely exciting for me uh, because I knew that it was something that I had extreme passion for and, and that I, that I really wanted to do. And like I said before, you know, I know what this program gave me. So I knew exactly what I wanted to give back to it. Um, and, you know, we wanted to set out by start by creating a, a culture back here, creating a, a, you know, a culture of doing the right thing and, and doing the little things and, and being there for the, for each other and, and playing for the guy next to you. And those are things that, you know, we've started to instill here and set a standard for what Bobcat hockey is. And, you know, obviously losing coach Ruffner um, was extremely, um, it, there's not even any words for it, to be honest with you. It, it, there's nothing to prepare for it. Um, but he, in the short time he was here with the team and with myself, uh, the impact that he made is tremendous. You know, he put me, me and this team in a position to continue to succeed and, you know, as unfortunate as it is, he put this program in a better place. And, and that's what we came in here to do. Well, I just want to tell our uh, our audience and our listeners that, you know, uh, Lev and I have had the opportunity to, to you know, speak with you, uh, you know, outside the ranks and, and all that stuff. And I got to be honest with you, Connor, I didn't realize you were only 25 years old. You carry yourself in such a manner that's more uh, mature and, and you carry yourself in a in a manner and lead your team in that manner. So to our listeners, I, I think it's important to our listeners to hear that a 24 year old was asked to take over a rebuild on the heels of losing suddenly uh, a friend, a mentor, a coach. And uh, dude, you've done a great job with that, man. Great job. I, I just have I to give my personal uh, uh, vibe on that. So I do, I do, I do appreciate it. And you know, I, I can give a lot of that to this community um, in the past players that, that have, everybody stepped up, you know, this wasn't, it wasn't a one person thing, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just me. And, and I, and I can't thank, you know, everybody who's been involved enough, enough, including you guys. Cause I know that, you know, you guys reached out, you were there for us and, and it, it's been the amount of support. And, and that's what I tell these players too, you know, not even just the support for us and this team, but the support like Ohio high school hockey, in general is such a tight knit group and everybody's there for each other in their time of need. And, and that's, that's what makes it so special. You know, that's why it's so important to be a part of this. Yeah. I mean, we, we are hired as coaches at the high school level to coach the sport, but we're also hired to help mentor and show these young men and women the way that it it's supposed to happen, the way you're supposed to have compassion for others. And, uh, um, build you know, relationships, build relationships. Correct. So, so yeah, yeah I just, you know, cause I, it's not easy to coach a high school sport in today's society. It's not, I listen, I, I would, I could assume you would have a lot of other things you could do on a Friday or Saturday night at 24 years old, 25 years old, but you know, you're taking the opportunity to, to work with these young men and, and women. I just think it's great. I, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I appreciate it. You know, there's no, there's no place I'd rather be, honestly. It's, it's been, it's been wonderful. I think I was on the same pro I was thinking about what I was doing when I was a 24 year old senior I think I was on the same program coach Love was on yeah I was I, I, senior is just a, a term I was still in college too good hey you know I just graduated this last December so you know it's it's taken a little bit but I was you know 25 years old just graduated so it's it's been good it's been fun 
So let's talk about the, the first two years of bringing the program back after that year hiatus and 2019, 2020, it's a, it's a modest eight and 25 and one record, but the season ends with an impressive one goal loss, one, nothing to St. Francis uh, in the 2020 Sylvania district semis. You just restart and it's the first year. And, and not only are you getting the excitement back and the community's all behind you, I know there's in, in what we do, there's no real moral victories, but was that an important first step to bring the program back to what we know it is back today? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, the first year, you know, we knew, we knew we were going to take, take some punches and, you know, looking at, you know, the schedule that, that we, that we had our first year, we did that on purpose because we knew the first couple of years, it was, it was going to, we were going to take some beatings, but it was going to put us in a position where we wanted to be when the time was right. Um, you know, we won six games going into the state playoffs in 2019. Um, but the entire year, we knew we had a better team than that. We knew where we could be. We, we just could not consistently, you know, get there. And, and it was, we knew it was going to be, it was going to be a, a rebuild and a build back. And, and every player knew that And moral victories were a thing. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you still, you still want to win, you, you know, that's still what it's about. You still, you still want to win the games, but we were taking it step by step and we knew we would get to where we wanted to be. Um, you know, we got there in the playoffs, uh, one, nothing game to St. Francis. And it was a great step going into the next year, which going into the next year, you know, we, it doesn't get a whole lot easier for us. You know, we have, we schedule an extremely hard slate for us throughout the year. Uh, we win, you know, nine, nine games going into the playoffs and we win two games, go to the semifinals again and play St. Francis again. Like I said, you know, we knew the kind of team we had. We knew, we knew what we had to do to get there. We just con cons consistently put it all together, um, end up taking them to the third period again. And, you know, it, it shows the resilience of this team that they had. They knew, they knew where they could be. Um, we just knew it was going to take time to get there. And, and I think that you have to have that. You have to go through the hardships. You have to have those in order to grow as a program and, and grow as a team. And, and, and that's what we did. How were you able to keep the morale going in the direction you needed it to go? I mean, obviously you, you, you take these guys through uh, hard schedules year in and year out. You take them as young freshman, sophomore, underclassmen, hockey players, and how do you keep that morale saying, look, it's coming. You're, you're doing great. It's coming after a while. I mean, as you know, and you played, you yeah. go on a, a losing skid. You're like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but come on, man. Yeah. It, it's hard, man. It's, it, it's extremely hard. And, you know, to sit here, you know, as a leader and as a coach and, and tell these players that, you know, it's coming, we're getting there. Just keep working. Just keep working. It's, you know, a lot of them are probably sitting there going, you know, screw you. You know, you know, we're not, <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, we didn't have that. We had a team that believed we had a team that knew where we could be. If we just stayed on track, you know, we set a standard, we set a track, we knew where we wanted to be. We, we knew it was going to take time to get there. And we had the buy-in and the culture that we started to build is what did it. And, you know, you, I, you got to give props to these players, you know, these seniors, these eight seniors that we have right now to come and it was their first year and to believe in the coaching staff, to, to, to believe in, in the, in the policies that we we're putting the program that we were putting through um, that we were going to get there. It, it, it took a lot of belief and it took a lot of strength in them and, and they did it and we pushed on and we had glimpses. And I think that's what it was is we had glimpses throughout the entire year that we knew, Hey, look, that's where we can be. We just got to put all three aspects of the game together and we'll get there. 
Um, and it took time. Um, I, can, but, I can tell you the last time I saw you and we were in a handshake line and you weren't happy. And then we got off the ice and you walked by me again and you go, Hey, sorry about that. I was just, I was, I, I go, it's all good, man. I understand. It's all good. You're, you're doing it right, man. I'm, I'm, I, I know we have set, we have questions set up here, right. To get yeah. you to answer the things that the listeners want to hear. You're doing a great job and, and your whole staff and the whole community is behind you as, as is evident in every game we play. Keep going, keep rolling, keep rolling. Cause you're yeah. there. I appreciate it. No. And I, and I was, I was a little upset because I, you know, we wanted, we, we knew that, you know, you were on our schedule. Hey, we want to give them a better game. And when you don't come out, you know, sometimes you just don't come out, you know, as well as you want to, but it's, it's a process. It was a day. It was, a day. It was just a day. Connor, we've been doing this for a long time at the high school level. So the only piece of advice I can give you is that um, <laughs> high school kids consistently bring inconsistency to the ice rink. So that's the only consistent thing that, that these that high school kids bring, but that's, that's life. I have a high school daughter and she's very inconsistent in her decision-making every day. So it's just the age, but um, so what's the state of the program now? Are the numbers strong in the youth pipeline that you can bring back your GAV team? Yeah. You know, so, so I've been looking at the numbers, obviously, you know, over the last couple of years, a lot, and we're looking at where we're at, we're looking at where we want to be because obviously the goal is to have a JV program. Um, the way we're looking at right now, you know, I'm thinking, you know, two years down the road, our numbers are going to be consistent enough where we are, we're going to be able to have that. And looking at the numbers that we had a couple of years ago, that's, there was a lot of people that didn't think we'd get back to that for years to come, if ever. Um, but yeah, we, we have the numbers to get back to a JV team. It looks like we're talking to about, about two years down the road. Um, and we're looking to get back to that and, and growing this even more. Like I said, youth hockey has been a huge part of it. We have great numbers of Bowling Green kids in, in our peewee programs, our squirt programs, and, and they're ramping up down there and, and excited to get here and play Bobcat hockey. And that's, that's what we're doing. And, and we'll be back, you know, hopefully to full force varsity JV in, in no time. So we have a few more questions about this year's varsity team. First one to ask you, how was the travel back from the Jesuit Cla classic in Strongville uh, MLK day? You know, that was an interesting day. Um, you know, we wake up and, and there's nine inches of snow on the ground and nobody can leave the parking lot. And I'm like, oh, man, it's a good thing we stayed across the street from OBM because we're walking. Um, so, you know, we, we went out there and we had our, our players actually went out and dug cars out that got stuck in the parking lot. So had a really interesting morning. Um you know, we get, we get to the day, we get to the game, you know, we play the game, um, not very happy after the game. Um, so, you know, we had a, we were thinking about potentially staying longer, but like, you know what, no, we're hitting the road. Like we're out of here. Um, and it, we got about, you know, I'd say 45 to an hour in, it was, it was, it was good. It was clear. It was ready to go, but it was, it was a little nerve wracking, honestly, you know, it, it was interesting out there and we haven't dealt with nine inches of snow, you know, in a while over here, at least I know you guys deal with more snow than we do, but, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was an interesting day to say the least interesting travel. So another, another day where you had to deal with the elements outside, but a, a better experience. I, I hope uh, you played at fifth, third field uh, there in Toledo. What was that like? Yeah. Uh, it, the fifth, third field, the outdoor game was, was amazing. You know, it's something that I wish that every high school player is able to experience at some point or another. Um, and, and I'm extremely grateful that they were able to put that on. It gave our players, you know, just a, a sense of excitement, a sense of you grow up 
playing pod hockey and then watching the winter classic and like, you know, dreaming like, Hey, I, I want to be in the winter classic. This is, this is awesome. And then for us to be able to give the players an opportunity to actually have this. And, and we, we might've overdone it a little bit on our end, you know, we got, you know, the jerseys and you know, the helmets and stuff. And we really took it to the next level because I just wanted to make it special for these kids. And that's what it really was all about making it special. You know, at the end of the day, the game, you know, we lost in overtime, but we're, that doesn't matter the experience matters, what we were able to give them and just being able to, you know, to have that is what really made it so special for us. And I think that's a day that they're not going to forget. And I'm not going to forget as a coach as well. So when you're scheduling that game next year, <clears throat> we'll know who to schedule. <clears throat> huh? Well, I said, we'll know who to schedule. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did you know going into this year, were you expecting it to be a strong year? And can you share any specific goals that you set for the team at the beginning of the year? Yeah, um, you know, we leading up to the last two years, you know, a year, we're sitting here and I'm talking about a team that won eight games in 11 in 11 games the two years before. And you're sitting here telling me that my expectations are for us to win the districts. And you, a lot of people probably um, think I'm crazy, but, you know, looking at the team we had and looking at at the players and and the culture that we were building and, and the true just desire for my guys to get to where we know we could be, you know, that was our expectation. Our expectation was to compete for the league and to win districts and and get back to a place that we haven't been since 2004. Um, And so, you know, we, we went into the year knowing that the opportunity for us um, was going to be there if we wanted to put in the work. Um, We are going to put ourselves in a position to be able to succeed. And, you know, through this, most of the season, we've, we've done that. Um, we've been there like high school hockey, like you said, consistency, you know, it's, it's a roller coaster sometimes, you know, we've had our ups, we've had our downs. Um, but the, you know, the one thing going in that I knew this team had, and that I've been looking at throughout the entire season is we're a resilient team. Um, we've had to deal with so much the last two years that I knew when it came down to it. And when we were going to face adversity, because you always do, that we were going to be a group that's going to be able to get through it. Um, and I think that's what we're dealing with a little bit now. And, and the team knows how to face adversity. They know how to be resilient. We've been there. Um, we got a great group of guys in the locker room um, and we're determined to be fight, to keep fighting and be resilient through all of it. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. 19, eight and one ranked in the top 10 in the state. Um, have had, you've had a bad streak here, one, four and one, but like you said, the kids have been through adversity they know how to handle it. How are they handling this little stretch right now? Because every team goes through, right? We all know that. Yeah. So how is how are the kids handling that right now? Yeah, you know, it's it's been tough. You know, it's it's been tough. And I'm sure you know as a coach, it it, it wears on you a lot as well because you're trying to be like, you know, what what can I do here? How can I make this better and you know for this team? But I think you know, what I've came down to is, is we got to stay positive and we got to stay together. If there's any point that we got to be a family and, and we got to stick together for one another, it's right now. And, you know, we have meetings uh, with players. There's one thing that we've had in the locker room all year, and it's, it's a, it's usqua. Okay. It's a Finnish word. And it means to believe in and to have faith in. And, and we really work and live by that is you got to have faith in yourself. You got to have faith in your teammates and you just got to, you have faith in the program and you're going to have ups and downs. Um, things are always going to go your way. Um, but the difference between a good, you know, and a great team, in my opinion, is how you persevere through it and rise above it. Um, and put the doubts aside, put your head down and push forward. So, you know, the team, the teams, we, we had a great, a great start to the week this week. Um, a lot of positivity, um, a lot of enthusiasm to, to get over this hump. Um, 
And we built something and built a culture that we know that we'll be able to get there. And that's what's great about these guys is that we know we're going to get there. And we know that the biggest and most important games are yet to come. And so in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the year, these games don't matter. We'll get over this and we'll be in a place where we want to be when it matters. Right. So let's talk about one of the most interesting games that you had this year. Uh, You recently had a game uh, that was you guys were tied in OT and you couldn't finish the game because you got timed uh, through BGSU policy. Can you talk to I mean, who tells you that? Who comes to the Zamboni doors just flip open and it's over? Yeah. You know, so what I'll say about that is, you know, we've 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 had dealt with this, um, you know, in the past couple of years, you know, a couple of times before. And, you know, the way our rink works is, you know, you buy that ice slot and, and that's that. Um, it, you know, I know most rinks around, you know, you go over, you go, you go over, you know, everything just gets pushed back a little bit. Um, and, and with us, you know, we, we know that we, that we got to be in that ice slot. But, you know, what we do know is, you know, the league has has rules and has contracts with the rink that, you know, if a game is in overtime, it, it goes on no matter what. And you just get billed for that extra time. And I, I think what, you know, the, the big thing that day in particular was, is it was a new semester. It was new staff and, and I don't, they didn't know. And so, you know, exactly how you said, they just swing the doors open and that's it. And that's, it's pretty much what happened. Um, and, you know, obviously we're extremely, you know, mad at the time because, you know, it's a, we're playing a great game so far, you know, you tie, you know, debatably one of the hottest teams in the state of Ohio at the time. Um, and, and we're two, two in overtime and you, you know, you don't want a game to end like that. You know, you, you, you want to have a winner and I'm sure I'll say my team was hot and we were, we were on top at that point. I'm sure Steve will at Northfield will say the same thing about his, but you know, it was, it, it's unfortunate that, that, that had to happen. So how many teams play out at, or use Slater as their home rank? So that- high school wise, uh, Bowling Green, Perrysburg and Anthony Wayne. And then as well as I know mommy used to, they don't have a team this year. Um, and Springfield sometimes would prep would uh, practice and play out of here as well. So, you know, we, at the most we house, you know, five high school teams a year. Right. Well, that, I mean, so that that's because those games could, those teams games could get uh, halted like that as well. Yeah. And, you know, I don't want to speak for anybody. I, I'm sure it's happened um, before. I, I just think, you know, it comes back to, you know, a lot of things in life, it, communication. And I think that's what we were lacking a little bit then, but uh, you're going to. So true. So true. So true. Well, Connor, uh, we want to thank you for coming on the show tonight. Um, and uh, again, congratulations on a, a job very well done. And, and I know you've got many, many years uh, involved in this that you're going to continue to grow. Uh, and and succeed with that program. So congratulations to you, your staff, but most importantly, your players for getting through those adverse times, using that as a learning lesson and uh, taking those lessons learned and putting them into action. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. You know, I appreciate you having me on here to show my program. You know, we have a great program. We have a great group of kids and they deserve to be recognized. So I really do appreciate that. Awesome. Connor, thanks a lot. Have a great night. We'll see you. Good luck the rest of the way. You too. Thank you. Before we sign off, uh, we have to mention we've mentioned Jamie Ruffner a lot on tonight's show, and we're fortunate enough to speak with Jamie on this podcast uh, in August of 2020. If you're interested in going back to listen to that episode, it's episode 18. It's still up on the podcast archive page on the Ohio Hockey Digest. Thanks for joining us tonight. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episodes, archives, and a list of upcoming guests. Next week, we'll be joined by a couple goaltenders. Clayton Knapp of the Toledo area 
who is playing in the North American Hockey League All-Star game this week, and Colin Purcell of Shaker Heights, a former Youngstown Phantom and University of Massachusetts recruit. Continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. Closing time, open all the doors and let you out into the world. Closing time, turn all of the lights on. Oh.